In this episode, I had the immense pleasure of having D&D TikTok creator Dice Cream Sandwich. We spoke about everything from our origin stories to how we started creating D&D TikTok. And I asked Dice Cream Sandwich a couple of questions, such as some of the challenges that he faces as a dungeon master and how to mitigate them. So stay tuned. Before we head into this episode, I wanted to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate your viewership and I really appreciate your support. For those of you who are new to the podcast, though, welcome. I hope that you find a place here where you can learn or gain some form of knowledge for your next D&D or TTRPG session. And heck, I hope you just have fun on this podcast. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review if you're able to. Those really help and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And here's the episode. I want to take the time to give a quick shout out to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, it's user-friendly, and Anchor does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. What I absolutely love about Anchor is that it's free. You can download the app, and once you download it, you can start working on your podcast. You don't need to invest in any type of equipment or any type of engineering tools. You can pretty much edit and do everything from your phone or your computer for free. Anchor does a lot of the heavy lifting as well. It distributes all your podcasts for you to a bunch of different areas. So it'll distribute it to Spotify, to Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other places. Lastly, it provides you an opportunity to monetize from your podcast. You can start making money with no minimum listenership. That's a huge thing for those people who are trying to start a podcast and try to start their brand. So if you're ready to start using Anchor, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I was, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of nervous to ask you to be on the podcast because I consider you one of like the pillars in the community, both on TikTok and um, on Instagram. So first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Oh, thanks, man. No, yeah, for, for real. <laughs> no I'm, problem, man. I'm, I'm always down to do stuff like this. I haven't done very many podcasts and I want to do more. Um, I just been so busy with so many things that I haven't. I'm trying to, I want to make it more of a priority moving forward, but uh, no, it's very nice of you to say. Thank you. Well, no, no problem. It is a, I appreciate you coming on. I also know that you are a bit of a busy bee, but for the folks out there who may or may not know you, Dice Cream Sandwich, it is a pleasure to have you on here. Could you talk to us though really quick about how did you start playing D&D? When did you start playing? Oh, God. Uh, well, I started playing D&D relatively like not recent recently, but like mm-hmm. I started with the pandemic. Everything seems like 30 years ago, but this not. This was, <laughs> I want to say 20, 2016 okay. around that time, I think. It was when, yeah, I, was yeah. still, um, when I was still bartending uh, oh, uh, full time. But I, yeah, I, was, I, was, I was bartending at this really fun place. Um, that was one of the best jobs I've ever had. And uh, I would do these Sunday brunch shifts, uh, which I would open up the place. And, you know, people would come in like 9, 10 to get like just a quick bite to eat before they go start their day's events. And this one group that used to come in was a mixture of like some friends I knew and and some of their friends that would come in. They Because they'd come in every morning like, on Sunday mornings, have uh, breakfast and then go play D&D. Oh, word. They'd always come together like as a six top group and be like, like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you guys. Or like, yeah, I'm like, well, what are you up to? Like, oh, we're, we're just having some meet- meetings and then we're going to go to so-and-so's place and play D&D. And they came in like every week. Um, Most ritualistic. Really, yeah, because it was like a really good like breakfast deals. It was like $5. So like they, they would always come nice. in before playing like an entire full day of D&D. So they would come in and start telling me like what they did last session. And like, oh, I'm a big film fantasy nerd i was mm-hmm. an actor when i was like 17 and oh cool always been big into pop culture when i was really young um my mom used to work for ea sports when the company started so i've no had like, like pop culture in my life for a while uh 
And when they start telling me, I'm like, oh, D&D, like you hear about it. Said this seems like this brass ring that you can ever grab. He's like, I've heard of that. I have no idea how it works or how to be involved. And eventually, just from them coming to the bar so much, they eventually like, what well, do you want to play with us? And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, why not? It'll be fun. And so I got in a game with them and they were playing. They were currently going through the Tyranny of Dra uh, Dragons saga. Oh, so they yeah. Were, they, were, they, were, they had done Horde the Dragon Queen and they were in Raz Tiamat. And they're like, yeah, just come on down. We'll like what? Like we'll make you a character, and it'll be all be good. And so they gave me like you know the range of options, and I wound up making a first. He was a halfling monk bard, Ooh. and his name was Fender Strap because I literally <laughs> looked at a guitar early, later earlier that day, and I was like, I don't know what my name's going to be. Sure, it was like usual suspects moment of like looking around the room and making up a story. <laughs> it's like, but but um, and it was great, and I was like that's that's his name i just like the idea mm. like when you when it, whenever you get told the classes are I'm like bard seems cool so does monk and eventually he just went full monk because like we couldn't make the bard part <laughs> make sense yeah. um he's fender strat and they're like does your character have a voice and i was like sure he sounds like this so for some reason i was like he's john lennon sure so <laughs> that's for awesome. like seven months i just came to this game every week sounding like this and i'm fender strat the monk and i played him very much like what my experience was at the time where I was mm -hmm. like fish out of water, didn't know how D&D works. So I'm like, that's what my characters will be. So I came with a backstory of like, he is from a monastery, has never seen the world and is just exploring it for the first time. So every time we went to an encounter or things came up, I was like, what the hell is that thing? I've never seen that before. Because I was just being myself. I'm like, I yeah. have actually never, I don't know what this is. So it worked really well and it was super fun. And then we, I played that for like, yeah, like seven months or so. And then... Uh, didn't have the time to continue, took a break, came back and actually finished the campaign with them, which most people can't say. They actually got to the end of a story when they first joined D&D. &D. Yeah. Um, so that was super fun. And our like last session of that campaign was one of the players had moved to Australia at the time. So uh, they hadn't been at the table, but my DM had like got him to Skype in from Australia. No and kidding. it was this amazing like ending to like, almost for them i think they've been playing for like two years wow. at that point so it was a huge introduction to the game um a really good experience and uh and finishing a story so so i did that and then didn't play DD for a while after that until another friend of mine i think it was like a year after that another friend of mine who was starting a campaign wanted me to join i did that for a couple months um that group one up one up wound up falling apart Hmm. Um, but then at that point I was like, I kind of want to try streaming our D and D sessions. Like had been watching critical role for a long time and got into a bunch sure. of other live stream games. And I was like, I just want to like figure it out. Uh, I think it'd be fun, but he wasn't so into it. The DM at that table was like, I don't really, I'm not really into that kind of thing. I'm like, okay. Then eventually that group fell apart. I moved on. And then me and my friend, Jordy Rose, who's the co-creator of our channel currently, who was my mm -hmm. DM from that first game, we're like, let's just do it ourselves. Like, screw it. So sure. he ran Curse of Strahd. We set up some shitty webcams. We, we streamed it to Facebook for the first couple months. <laughs> nice. uh, and then that was kind of how we started our channels and everything. So yeah, that was kind of the story of the first game of D&D that we played. So that kind of starts to go into like, is that when you started to create D&D content? Or was that like, were you streaming and then it kind of sparked? What what was that journey like? Yeah, so kind of following that origin story, um, when we started doing the Curse of Strahd game, we're like, yeah, let's just, just for fun, like we're not expecting this to be a big thing. We just, I, uh, the group was, uh, my partner Amanda was involved and mm -hmm. she like picked three, of, or a couple of her good friends and I picked a couple of my good friends. And we just started this thing and we were like, what's our group name going to be? Or like our show name. Mm -hmm. And my partner, Amanda, actually came up with with the name that I still have today, Dice Cream Sandwich. It was her idea. And she came up with the name because she works for an ice cream company uh, here in Vancouver called Ernest Ice Cream. So she's like, what about Dice Cream Sandwich? And we're like, oh, Mark. that's an awesome name. Um, so, <clears throat> so yeah, so we started 
uh, streaming. First, it was on Facebook with some really crappy webcams that we bought, <laughs> and then we eventually upgraded and figured out how to bring it to Twitch and everything. Um, and that's kind of how the content stuff started. Like, I have a background in content creation because oh no kidding, when I was when I was doing the actor thing and the bartender thing for a long time. I eventually pivoted from working in film. I was like, I don't. I want to eventually get out of having to work at restaurants half the time and do arts. Um, so eventually, I, I pivoted into content creation because I was making Instagram content. You know, growing up with that, you know, Instagram and Facebook. Um, when I was in my earlier 20s, just figuring out being a creative dude, figuring out how the content works, figuring out what posts do well. And the bar I worked at um, had put me on to manage their social media. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And then eventually kind of pivoted into making that my nine to five, uh, being a content creator for hire okay. for like restaurants and businesses and stuff. So I, I'd had a bit of experience like running Instagram accounts and kind of knowing what you need to do to at least get some sort of following. Mm. So we just, I just started filming content just of our games and making memes. That's how it started. It took a, it took a while before it kind of got to any kind of like real kind of crazy momentum. Um, mm. But that's kind of how it started. It was just to support our little dice cream curse of stride game that we like literally just kind of created just to for our friends to watch and just you know like you like you said like asking me you were like a little nervous to ask me to be on this podcast but you never know until you shoot your shot so we're just like let's just try it and if, if anything it's just a fun story we get to tell people later um but weirdly enough like people were contributing to that game uh that would build up into what we have now like one of the friends that i had in that game um his name's Jesse Shaw, and he's a brilliant graphic designer. And oh, he, nice. he and he was the one that came up with the logo uh, idea and Word. made our um, our intro screen. We made that 3D awesome intro screen for our games that you see that we still have today as kind of like an homage to that first game, uh, which somebody some people get confused because they like watch this really awesome 3D cool Game of Thrones intro vibe to our Twitch streams, our D&D Twitch streams, but they're all characters that are not on the show they're watching. Uh -huh. They're like, who are these people? There's like, these aren't the characters on the show. But again, who homage to uh, that first game. Um, so it was just a lot of people making cool contributions to it. Uh, yeah. That's, that's legit. <laughs> um, and, and so that kind of got the content thing rolling uh, with, you know, various people contributing to it. But then eventually, and, and you know i was the one making all the content and and putting that effort into it yeah uh, the most um and then in trying to find content i was making memes and eventually started making a tiktok sort of content to just the, support the channel and just get stuff out there your um, memes are spicy i have to admit. yeah <laughs> they do get spicy. spicy i really appreciate it yeah it's a fun little little project to do making memes um and then eventually with the TikTok content, it became, it kind of started to evolve from just making memes and pictures of dice and like video clips of our, of our game to me regularly kind of being the forefront on the page that eventually the account kind of just changed from like, this is just a fun account to just uh, chronicle our Curse of Strahd game to like me being the face of this, like me starting to take on this content creator identity. For sure. And then, and then once that game, once the Chris Estrade game ended and the group kind of disbanded, uh, we started a homebrew game, I think, when the pandemic sort of came into uh, mm -hmm. fruition. But um, there were some players that just like doing it online. It was just a bit of a difficult situation. So eventually that, that uh, campaign, that group disbanded. Uh, but I just kept taking it forward and eventually it kind of became what it is today. So that's kind of how that all got started. So do you currently run strictly homebrew or do you kind of have a hybrid approach where you utilize a lot of homebrew and modules in, you know, kind of interwoven with one another? Yeah, well, it depends on the situation. Like in the, in the streams that we have, in the two streams that I DM currently, one is a homebrew story that I uh, cobbled together. And the other one is just running Horde of the Dragon Queen um so it just depends on the group like running modules are fun because you, it's much less work um sure. with homebrew um and you know it's all written there for you to like 
you know, if you've got a game coming up, it's just like, I just have to stick to this one chapter and that's all I got to worry about. Um, whereas homebrew, it's like you, you're creating the world, the NPCs, all the encounters that are coming up. So it's a lot more invested, but I don't know. It depends. Like, and, and the thing is I started doing homebrew, like the first thing I ever DM'd mm-hmm. was literally a Pokemon 5e adaptation module that was amazing i'm so sad that it was taken down that i have the pdf still so the rogan me may inquire later (laughs) uh for some reason it just spoke to me i was a big pokemon fan you know was around when the games were were put on the scene so i felt for some reason dming i was like this is a world that i know really well like I know Pokemon, I know the world, I know who these people, like what what the NPCs would be and everything. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, for my first time DMing, I chose the hardest thing to do, which is to not only homebrew a one-shot, but a homebrew a one-shot with an adapted rule set that's not traditional D&D. <laughs> it was insane, but it was super fun. And my players had a great time. I had a good time. That's all. And it just kept going on from there. So, I mean, it's, it just depends on the situation. I've done more homebrew than uh mm-hmm. module stuff i'm yeah. i'm getting into more module stuff like i just had we just had our second session of in-person D for the first time in like you know oh, a year and a half word, word. and i'm running rhyme of the frost maiden for my like best friends nice how do you like um, it so far so far it's great i love that book and there's certainly a lot of options in the first few chunks so as a dm yeah. it's like they could go to like seven different scenarios and you got to like, you might prep like two of them, like super down to the wire. And they're like, we're going option three. You're like, well, crap. Okay. So it's just like, and in those instances, it, I find improving and coming up with those on the, on the fly situations can be a little bit jarring when a book module compared to what it's the mod book module compared to a homebrew thing. Cause at least with homebrew, you, put all that time building up your worlds and then you just wherever they go you're like yeah i've I've created all this i know exactly who's who and where if they go here how what the interaction is going to be but with a book it's like it's already pre-written and you're not going to memorize the book by heart so and you're awesome and a very genetically inclined brain you must have because i can't do that i can only focus on like a chapter a chunk at the time um so um yeah so there's been time yeah so there's times when if it swerves i'm like uh oh i have to like go to that page of the book and like scan it super quickly and then like try to get a sense of like where it's going and and how to finagle it but when Um, it's look over um, there distraction let me yeah yeah so but when it's just no cameras are on you know it's much more casual with friends true it's not so you know jarring as if it were on a live stream and you're like oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah. that's why Horde the dragon queen is perfect because that's the most railroady uh, <laughs> modules <laughs> there is um so uh so yeah so that's kind of I, I i don't know if i have a preference right now um i think i prefer by a hair homebrew just because mm-hmm. i'm such a creative person yeah and i love storytelling and i love creating my own stories yep especially for for me of someone who's like tried to crack at like script writing short mm-hmm. story you know writing uh when i was really uh dedicated to my acting days and just like trying to write something and it never happening or not being able to put that full dedication of seeing it through you like write a few pages and then you put it away and then you don't see it for like several months yeah this is something where not only does it focus your creative writing skills but it's got so many other facets that like keep it going it's like a rolling rock that like once it starts going every week you got to add more to it so it's been a fun practice for sure and it's one of those things i'm a huge proponent of homebrew and world building i mean as you probably know i probably i most likely overboard (laughs) the instagram internet whatever combination with just world building just because i love i am a i love homebrew it's it gives me freedom to create whatever i want in a way where there's not not a lot of restrictions right um i think that homebrew offers some specialties that uh modules don't and vice versa right 
Um, but it kind of goes into one thing though, I gain a lot of inspiration from modules. And to be honest with you, I really like a lot of third-party content too. Like I really love, I mean, Adventures in Middle Earth was a great um, kind of third-party fifth edition compatible um, book that had a lot of great rules. So for example, if you were in a swamp, well, now you have difficult terrain because at least for like the humanoids, I think it was for like humans, elves, and so on and so forth. Obviously for like halflings or hobbits, you're now adding like, you can only move, you know, one quarter of your, of your movement speed because of your stature and whatnot. So it's like things that you can implement in your own game by taking third party material. And I was wondering in your own games and your own streams, do you consider those things? Do you consider getting things from third party and just like copying, pasting it into your world? All the time. I don't, don't like my homebrew campaign. I never claim that I've, I've written it all by myself and it's all 1000% original. I definitely research mm-hmm. third party modules, one shots. Uh, the community is just so vast. And there's such a yeah. wealth of content yeah. out there that my homebrew campaign, it's homebrew in that I'm not following a module. For sure. But it's its much more like a scrapbook of like one shots, encounters, story ideas that I've read from a lot of talented writers and creators over the mm-hmm. year that I've been like, ooh, that's a cool idea. I'm going to like change it slightly and insert it here. Oh, that's a sick battle encounter or story idea. I'm going to take that and and adapt it for mine. Um, Most of the stuff that I've uh, written, the certain arcs and chunks of all one point or another been a part of like a, a, a homebrew module that someone else read. And I liked that part and put it in and just mm-hmm. twisted it a little bit. I'm not, I'm not at that point yet as a, as a DM where I can just sort of write everything from scratch and have mm-hmm. the foresight to be like, oh, this encounter will take this much time. So then add this. Word. I just, I just don't have that ability yet. So I learn a lot from, and I think it goes back to, um, to, to that old acting training where when you're sort of coming up and, and being a live performer and finding an acting style that works for you, you know, some people stick to one style or some people are like, Ooh, this acting technique from this coach, this one technique I use, I really like it. That's in my tool belt. Oh, this, yeah. so that kind of thing. I've, I think I've adapted that just subconsciously into my DM style. Sure. So definitely. And I, and I have, and it's been difficult because like, and it, like it's D and D material at its core when, and I feel, I don't know if writers out there agree or disagree, but a lot of writers who just kind of put out their material online for you to buy mm-hmm. or for people to play games with, I think it's with the added inception of like, people are going to take this and make it their own. Absolutely. I don't think there's any sort of bad blood. If you know, you, you buy someone's module or their one shot and you're like, Oh, this encounter is super sick. I'm going to take it, adjust some things and put it in my homebrew thing. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I've, and with that in mind, like I've been really wanting to build up some sort of show or stream in the, in the future, sort of centering around and highlighting more of those third party writers and, and, uh, DMs guild makers and things like that to be like, we're going to run this four part mini series. It was written by this person. You can yeah. go buy it here. And then they get to like see online, like the story and how it unfolds yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I can put you in contact with some people. Cause I know uh, a number of third party um, writers and stuff like that, that just write amazing stuff. And it's like, I know, and you know, I agree with you on the kind of like, I gain a lot of inspiration from other folks and their material, their content, so to speak, what they're putting out there. I know for myself, when I create something, whether it's world building a, you know, a random table or a magic item, like I know for myself, I'm inspired by a lot of things. One of the things I've been recently inspired by was like uh, the Percy Jackson series. Cause I reread it. Um, and gosh, it's like, 
you know, I know it's intended quote unquote for like middle school, high school kids, at least my wife's a teacher and that's what she teaches in her classroom. Like, cause she teaches English and language arts. So it's like, okay, yeah, this is, she's got it there and her kids love it. But like, I'm a grown ass man and I love that series. Like it's, it's really well written. And I've, and I've thought to myself, huh, maybe I can use elements like the labyrinth, right. And, and, and all these different things into the game. Why, why, why not incorporate that into, I mean, I, I almost think that it's so easily available. It would be remiss of you to not use it because it's right there. Yeah. All like all great art is inspired by other forms of art. Absolutely. To some degree for the most part, like most, films made today were influenced by a generation of filmmakers before that and then Absolutely. before them and that kind of just goes on and on and on people have been adapting other people's art and making their own for centuries and decades like you don't nothing have, new yeah and you know i the one thing too it's like and and i try to approach this lightly like as a dungeon master or a game master like you don't have to be Matt Mercer, you don't have to be Matt Colville, you don't have to be, or just like in the film industry, you don't have to be a Tarantino or, you know, uh, a Spielberg, you don't have to be any of those, you got to just be yourself. And you have to basically communicate and facilitate that story. Um, But as a dungeon master, I also feel like there's some challenges, because oftentimes we as dungeon masters, like we talked about earlier, we have to kind of coincide with what our with the story um, that our players are telling, or rather the story that the players are weaving at the moment. What are some of the challenges that you've noticed when, you know, whether it's your stream or maybe more of a casual game, but what are some of the uh, challenges that you face and how did you overcome them as a dungeon master? Oh, boy. Um, well, there have been many sort of challenges and things i mean i've been blessed with an amazing group of players like the players that i have sort of that i approach to to join my games and Mm -hmm. and be a part of the stories that i've been telling on on twitch and um and youtube they've all been amazing creators and collaborators uh and are, are so dedicated to like to the streams to the characters to the story that that sometimes can just be a huge get because a lot of the challenges and hurdles that DMs, you know, casual DMs that aren't doing it on like a world stage or on uh, or online usually face is that player DM relationship. Either they gather a group of people that maybe they know very well, maybe they don't know very well, who have not played D&D before or have played a lot of D&D and they mm-hmm. just gather them up and they're like, here's the story. And then you get a session or two in and two thirds of them are like, I'm not into this. This is just not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can take some time before you find a group that's like on your level and on your vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and for cha- But for challenges for, for me, has there's been a couple times of, you know, and I, it's, it's happened to me too. Like there's been games where I've had like a player on and they like, a, there was one person who was just like after two sessions in has been like, thanks for inviting me. The story's just not for me. Yeah. Uh, no hard feelings. And it's a, and D and D is a big commitment, right? It's a, it's a yeah. lot of time uh, to dedicate yourself to something that you're just not that into. For so, sure. At the end of the day, I don't get too offended um, by those situations because it's just like most art forms. It's, you know, I'd rather you want to be here than, than not be here. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day, any any sort of challenges I've had have been mostly with just communication. Um, but for the most part, my players have really enjoyed the stories that we've done and the dedication that we put into them. Um, so I haven't had too many issues of, of players being like, this isn't working for me, but Mm -hmm. I also create a very open communication with my players, um, that I'm always constantly reminding them, like, if there's anything that you're concerned about or happening, like, please feel free to, to message me and we'll chat it out and talk about it. 
there have been a couple times where players been like, oh, so I noticed, you know, this player did this. Does that? And I feel like that took away my thunder in that moment. Am I weird? Am I crazy about mm-hmm. that? And we just have a dialogue and you, and you hash it out. Um, yeah. But more of the challenges I've had have, have been just been in with communication. Um, and like my player style, like my DM style is very like not action, not high octane, like action oriented, but my storytelling with with my with my homebrew campaign is called Beyond the Realms, and it's very go go go. There's things happening all the time, like big high drama, big high action. Because like at the end of the day, playing D and D, we're here playing in a fantasy world that literally is limitless. Why are we not making it like the most insane that it could possibly be? It should be the most epic as you can, like yeah and some people may not and for some people that's not their thing some people like a quiet dramatic game that's you know that's not so high stakes all the time then that get they get to do the shopping episode over three days like any art form has different tastes and different perspectives like some people like michael bay some people like tarantino so i haven't and and if i granted if my streams that i've been doing if i presented my story to my players and like five episodes in they're like we just don't like this story like it's just not our thing and i as a creator was just like really set on telling this story Mm. like i put all this time into it and i'm like i hear you but like i just i really need to tell this story then at that point i would just be like well i guess it's not your thing no problem whatsoever and then begin finding the process of finding new players and then pitching the idea of the story to them. And if they're like, we're so on board, this is exactly what we want to be doing. Then there you go. Then you're off to the races again. Um, But I think overcoming any challenges with DMing is just having really good communication with your players, making them feel like they can come to you with anything. Um, The beyond the realms campaign was also kind of a sequel story because our, our sort of TikTok, Twitch, D&D campaign that we started during the pan- and the beginning of the pandemic started out with like four or so one shots. Okay. Each with a different group of creators that then was kind of like Avengers Endgame, like had a through line oh, where nice. all their stories intersected and then uh, culminated with like each group having their own BBEG fight. Um, Ooh, that's... and I had a, a stream where like at the end of the one shots, I had them all join in on the same zoom call. So there was like 18 of them on the same screen. Like we're all here to fight it together. And it was really fun. Um, and the that's sequel epic. story. Yeah, it was really epic. Like I said, I just like to do things at that, yeah. like MCU level yeah. excitement, because like, again, if you had a, like D- Dungeons and Dragons is literally a creative vehicle where yep. you can literally make anything happen. So at the time, yep. I was like, I'm just going to do an Avengers Endgame story, because why not? And I this yep. pandemic time, had all this free time. I was like, I yep. can do this. Um, so the Beyond the Realm story is a sequel story to one of those one-shots, one of the one-shot groups that's become okay. like the core characters that I've been playing with for the last year and a half. Um, so I think for them, the investment was already there, because they had been they'd been playing already mm-hmm. and, and made characters and invest in the story. Um, but um, but yeah, I think one of the one seminal challenge that happened during that period was I think it was one character who had come on as a guest, um, and it wasn't even a challenge really. It was a he'd originally we brought him on as a guest for for an arc, mm-hmm. and um, and the arc had pretty much got to his end point, uh, and the creator was kind of on for a little while after after the arc ended, and then just kind of came to me and was like you know, I, I think I'm done. Like, I think my character feels like it had a satisfying run and I, I'm, I'm ready to move on to other things. And it wasn't this like dramatic thing. It wasn't yeah. like a, how dare you? Um, we brought this creator on to kind of be a, be a part of the, the story for a while. And it was mm-hmm. always meant to be like as a, as a guest character for an arc. And just was like, I think I'm done. And it wasn't, it was, yeah. And then it was just like, okay, sweet. Like, no worries. Like, that's awesome. Like, thank you so much for your time, for being a part of the show and for letting you have you on for as long as we did. So I haven't had too many challenges in, in that regard. And again, 
with that DM player thing, like I've, I guess I just had this luck streak with finding players that are on my level that aren't, you know, offensive or aggressive or anything like that. Um, there's been a couple times in stream where I've had one or two times where I've been on stream and like went on a storyline and like hit a nerve mm. with a, with a player that was like, Oh, this brings up something not good feelings for me yeah, and yeah. like didn't even wasn't even aware that they were going through those feelings until it happened it was an unknown um, trigger and it happens like yeah you know and it, yeah yeah and um and so again it was just like it happened and then we, we went to a break and then we had a private chat and being like okay and like i had this whole encounter set up leading up to this thing and i was like yeah. all right like dude i got you no worries. And just yeah. fully just changed the plan. So, I mean, with any challenge with this art form and with DMing and players is just communication needs to just be 100% yep. open and be adaptable to the players, uh, to players needs and, and stuff like that. And mm. you'll have smooth sailing. I think where problems arise, our egos yep. are, are either either Please. from the DM or the player being like, Please. this is my story yeah. and I've put all this work into it and my word is gospel and screw you for wanting to change it. Yeah. Or vice versa with the player being like, I wanted to do this thing. You're not letting me do it. This is dumb. I'm not having fun. And I think that's where those problems arise. As in, in my POV of this game, and this is just my opinion, not everyone sure. subscribes to this, but sure. I look at Dungeons and Dragons as a player, a player experience. Yeah. I feel I that the DM's job is to make sure that the players at your table are having the most fun time and the best experience they can have playing this. The DM is supposed it, to facilitate the story. Um, not only do they tell the story alongside the players, but they facilitate the story. Hence the reason dungeon masters aren't supposed to know all the rules. I'm sorry, like you as a player should know, you know, your spell, so to speak. And the dungeon master can facilitate if there's something that happens, they can kind of look at it holistically and say, okay, does this progress the, the story forward? Yes, then rule of cool, let's do it. If it breaks the story, then you kind of manage it from there. And I really like your approach because it kind of coincides with something I've been always mulling over and always using in my game, which is I, I, they're the three C's. Uh, consistency, obviously, anything I say, I want it to be consistent or consistent, excuse me. Um, I also want uh, folks to have consent, right? I like the consent aspect because when we start playing a game, my players, especially like when you play, um, if you're to play in my campaign, we start in discord, um, just to have that community and also to have what I thought was unique to me. But then I found out that one of my DMS who's been DMing his world for 30 years now uses this system. And I was like, dang it. I thought I was unique, but whatever. Um, and I have a, like a consent form where basically folks say, okay, like, these are things that I promise not to do, like trigger warnings. Like, I'm not going to talk about that. If you have a trigger warning, you tell me and we'll, you know, in private, obviously, um, and so on and so forth. But that way, I just get the consent from folks. Like, if it's like, not that I ever do anything of like, I don't role play torture scenes. I don't do anything. What I role play, though, I might hit on a topic that might be a little bit sensitive to someone, especially like, one of my best friends that plays, he's a veteran. So I'm very careful of what I role play from a combat scenario. Very careful to describe smells and sounds and things of that nature because I don't want to trigger them. Um, but from there, like communication, and you nailed it. Like communication, I think half the problem that we have from a dungeon master, from a, like a challenge perspective, is that we don't communicate often or we don't over communicate which i feel is a little bit better than under right um we don't communicate that hey you know what this steampunk game that you have is not my thing okay how can i help you then find a tape you know a, a group to play with i don't think we as i don't think we communicate 
often. I don't know if it's just because we're, we don't want to offend each other because right. You put so much work as a dungeon master. If I'm a player who has dedicated time and money, you know, I'm a mini addict. I have, I'm okay. I, I admit I'm a huge mini addict. So like I'll buy that custom mini, I'll buy all that. And I don't think like no one wants to offend one another, but sometimes when you have that player that doesn't share the spotlight, let's just, let's say it like that. Um, it can be difficult, especially if you're running a production, like a stream, like I'm all for folks running streams, if that's what they want to do, but you got to run it at a production at a professional level, because as an audience member, we want you to tell the story as best as you can. Obviously we're going to, I love D and D, so I don't care if it's a webcam or a phone, I don't care, but obviously like there's that professional level and that's that professionalism. Um, but that's something I think you nailed, man. It's just like that. If we just communicated more and I don't see that often because I find it more of a problem. Like I find folks bringing it up at least like in the community that we have on Instagram. Um, that is just something that I've heard a lot about. And, and one thing I would even like talk to you about is, and kind of, I'll keep the names private, but I had someone reach out to me who had a problem with communication because they never played D and D before they saw a critical role. So it's kind of like, okay, they saw a critical role. They went to a game store and I'm, I commend them for just Googling a game store and just going for it. Right. Um, I think it was adventures league that they found, but they didn't know how to get involved and they didn't ask, you know, they didn't ask, they, they felt kind of uncomfortable. So from your perspective, I'd love to ask you like in that same vein for folks who are trying to get into Dungeons and Dragons or really any tabletop, but it, you know, Dungeons and Dragons to focus on, but they've never played and they want to start playing. What are some of the things that you recommend, especially from what you've experienced as a dungeon master now? Yeah, well, there's, I think there's different avenues. If you're someone who wants to start playing D&D and someone who wants to start DMing D&D. Because okay. um, with just learning how to like play and just be like, I want to get involved in a game. I've seen this on Critical Role. I've seen yeah. these various shows and podcasts. I just want to try it. There's now more than ever, there are so many avenues for players just to like find a game or a DM that's True. got their services for hire, uh, yeah. for super cheap, sometimes even free, that the game literally is like newbie D&D, how to like teach you how to play D&D. Um, so I think for just like picking up a set of dice and like getting to a game, Websites like startplaying.games is a great resource. There's a really popular Reddit channel that I'm forgetting the name right now, something table. Um, that's literally just people like players finding DMs and finding mm -hmm. games to be a part of. Um, or just like seeing what it like. And if you're just like, you you must have some sort of context, at least to a degree, if you're like wanting to play. Either you've yeah. watched something like a Critical Role where you've been watching or... <laughs> you watch other D&D live play streams and you see people playing it and you're like, I want to get involved. Um, yeah. Or there could be that chance that you've just heard a lot of people talking about it and you've never seen anyone play yeah. it. You never heard yeah. anyone play it. And you're just like, I just want to do that. Um, yeah. Those websites and things like that, there's lots of websites online and Reddit groups and even Facebook groups where like their whole thing is they will just teach you how to play. And then you're off to the races. I've done it mm -hmm. myself a couple of times um, where I've had folks, uh acquire my services on, on my patreon that uh that i have that's not a normal patreon if anyone's listening i try to update it when i can it's not a normal patreon uh <laughs> it's not like new content every day um i usually yeah. use patreon as a way to like when i have the time and the and the mental energy to put out some games out there to run for followers, fans, uh, people who are interested. For sure. Um, and then I'll put up a price to play in a really fun game for a few hours. Um, and I've taught people to play D&D through that. Um, nice. And uh, so being a player and getting involved in a game, I feel is very, very easy. Trying to start DMing, I think, is a different, and, like, a different road entirely because True. a lot of people are like... And it was with me as well, where I was like, ooh, I think I want to try that. But I, it took me a while to like pull that shoot um, 
because it just seems like, do I have to remember all the DM guidebook? Mm. Uh, Where do you start? Do you do your own story? Do you read this? Do that? Um, Eventually, I just just said, screw it, and just said, I'm just going to do this, knowing that the first game will not be perfect, and we never finished it. (laughs) Uh, But it was fun, and they had fun, and I, like, watched a lot of one-shots through YouTube with Critical Role, with acquisitions incorporated things like that like you study people who have done it and there's so much so much content out there to watch now where you can literally study people who are amazing at it and being like okay they're doing these one shots i'm gonna watch this one okay their one shot was four hours and it had a beginning middle and end yeah the beginning had this chunk where they met everybody and had an intro the middle had a inciting incident where there was like someone murdered and you got to figure out who did it. Mm-hmm. And in the end had a big battle. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. I'm just going to take that blueprint and I'm going to fill it in with my own stuff. Okay. Yeah. We have a yeah. game. True. Um, so, and I, I've thought about trying to create some sort of avenue of trying to facilitate that more, like teaching people how to just get started with DMing. Um, but I think if you're wanting to DM you just need to just bite the bull and just do it. Just plug your nose and jump in the pool and learn by doing. And it'll take like, it took me probably a good three times of doing it before I was like, I think I'm relatively okay at doing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there aren't a lot of like how to DM books. Um, and if there are, it's so circumstantial yeah. and so varied in like what type of DM you want to be. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that one of the major, um, instances of how to be a DM is really more of characteristics. Are you, if you want to be a dungeon master, it's kind of like, well, just be willing to communicate, be willing to put yourself, excuse me, in a vulnerable space. Because sometimes when you're facilitating that story, you can really open yourself up and tell a story that you didn't even think you were going to tell. And I think that's more of a quality and a characteristic that at least I prefer in a dungeon master, right? I mean, we look at, we've talked about critical role. So Matt Mercer, like the, I mean, he seems like an amazing, nice, sweet, kind person, but when he tells a story, you know, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, he's a professional, he does all these things. And yeah, I get that, but he also puts himself out there. He also, puts himself in a position where he is vulnerable and does have a great structure. Now to add to what you were saying though, with kind of like that beginning, middle and end and kind of having that blueprint, I think we can also kind of go back and say, okay, well, what are the movies that you enjoyed um, that told a story, right? So star Wars and new hope, like that's a perfect depiction of, at least in my opinion, a great depiction of storytelling there is a you know there's that beginning part where we're introduced to the characters and we're introduced to sort of what the plot is we have that middle part where you know (laughs) obi-wan dies like this the the kind of the the teacher the wise sage dies and then at the end we have the death star blowing up so it has a really great uh you know storyline so to speak that's a great way we can take that blueprint and we can say okay no matter how long the first part takes, because maybe the first part takes three sessions. I don't know. You know, it's your world. It's your game. Run it how you want. Um, and, I, and I think that's something to encourage folks. If you don't know how to be a DM, okay, take a movie. Take a, you know, take some anime or manga or a comic book that you enjoy and kind of reverse engineer it. See how you would add it. Um, same thing with being a player, <clears throat> you know, Go out there. The world of the internet is thriving, especially with D&D. Like I know for myself with the Instagram community, we've been very adamant about really being open to individuals like someone, a group that I really care for, uh, the Initiative Order. They're a great group and they have community games. So for folks at, at whatever level. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, you can reach out to a group like them. Um, at least that's what I would say to folks, because it's it's really important to me to sh- to never have an empty space at the table. Right. You know, I don't want folks to ever feel like they can't be at the table 
um, because they don't know how, or they don't feel comfortable. Obviously, if they don't feel comfortable, make them comfortable. But um, I never want to pass up that opportunity because, oh, I don't know how to play and I don't want to mess anything up. It's, you know, maybe it's a cultural thing with, you know, the way I was raised, but you know, something to, to think about and consider folks who are listening to this podcast. Um, but yeah, one last thing I have uh, as a question for you, um, you know, you've been, like I said, you're, you're a pretty big pillar within the, you know, social media communities here on, or what the D and D communities on social media, excuse me. Um, you know, what are some of the things that we can look forward to, whether it's, um, a stream that's coming up or a particular game? What are some of the things that uh, the audience can kind of look forward to or know a little bit about and kind of follow you more? Yeah, uh, well, currently um, we have three streams that we do on our Twitch channel, uh, <laughs> twitch.tv slash Um So for streams, we have our my homebrew game, uh, Beyond the Realms. That's every Monday, 5 p.m. PST. And all of our D&D sessions as well across all streams are all on our YouTube channel. So if you're ever curious oh, about wanting to see things from episode one, even our old Curse of Strahd game that like started this whole crazy content journey is also mm -hmm. on YouTube. Um, so we have this like fun little history book of all the stuff we've done. Um, so that's every Monday. And then on Saturdays, I play Horde of the Dragon Queen with a bunch of very fun, popular TikTok creators. Um, Jessica Wing, Shay Aiden, Lightbox Gnome. Oh, nice. BB nice. Merrill, uh, Webheaded Hero. Um, and that's just more fun, relaxed. Beyond the Realms is like my baby. And like we put like in all the streams we do, there's like dramatic music. Um, yeah. you know, with my acting background, I'm really putting it into the npc personalities and voices and things like that but we also mm -hmm. get goofy too um and uh so the horde the dragon queen stream is the chromatic dragon saga um so that's on saturdays at 4 p.m pst um and then we have a finally we have a bi-weekly stream on tuesdays um that is a homebrew story that's very again kind of fun relaxed casual with some other D, &D uh creators that's set in wild mount in the critical role uh, universe and that's Word. dm'd by my co-creator jordy rose and i am a player in that uh nice. playing nice. my my main pc that i've played for three years now uh les paul of the triton race and i'm gonna play him until his goddamn backstory is completed because it hasn't <laughs> been yet i have a whole thing where i'm trying to get back to the plane of water and for some reason in every campaign i can never get there and i'm playing him until it's done um so those three streams are currently been going on uh and will be going on for uh for the near future um as far as future things to get excited about i'm not sure if i'm even allowed to really say it because it's not a hundred percent like seal of approved but even if it's not approved let's just say you may or may not be seeing my stupid face in Indiana in September. And I'll just, mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Um, and if you're curious to, to see, uh, there will be, there will be announcements. Let's just say when I, I, said thing may or may not be happening. I um, doubt it. I don't doubt it. <laughs> uh, but as far as like future shows, future streams, um, you know, I, I have a lot kind of going on right now as far as content goes. I'm definitely kind of focused on, you know, seeing uh, Beyond the Realms completed. We're kind of starting to get into sure. our, not our final arc per se, but I have the main storyline arc uh, sure. is written and completed. So focused on seeing that campaign uh, to the end. Right. Um, who, when that'll happen, who knows, um, <laughs> might be at the end of this year, might be at the start of next year. Yeah. Um, um, and then when that all kind of starts to kind of round up and conclude with that homebrew story and the, uh, the Horde of the Dragon Queen game too, is kind of, we're just all playing it until, you know, life gets in the way. Maybe it's not possible anymore with things opening up again. Um, but when, when my homebrew story ends beyond the realms, I'd really, like I said, I'd really love to get into doing 
kind of back into doing one shots and really you know, limited series one shots like four parters and really focus on putting more emphasis on content creators. So our channel kind of started by collaborating with, with more or less like TikTok creators in D&D space and kind of open it up to, you know, Instagram creators yeah. doing one shots with them and putting more emphasis and focus on the third party creators, like the writers, the people yeah. who write really amazing one shots and their own modules and highlighting that um, as a factor. Because yeah, uh, sure. I've read so many over the past couple of years, I've adapted sure. so many that I feel like there isn't really a solid showcase for that talent. True. And I'd love to be kind of a home base of like bring on top tier creators and talent to play in them, mm. which will bring an audience and being like, here's a one shot. Here's a we're going to be playing a four part series that was written by this person. And you can yeah. buy this thing from this person on wherever you can get it. Yeah. Blah, blah, um, blah, so like... that's, I think, yeah. Cause for the most part, like the dice cream, whatever this is, uh, kind of started with you know showing people our little curse of strahd game but also like along the way really became it became a hub for me to just show cool D D stuff that i just found whether it was like yeah. cool creators that i admired or yeah. really awesome dice makers or people that make really awesome uh D accessories I just was just resharing their things or making yeah. videos of being like, have you seen this? This is a really cool creator and they do this. And those videos would always blow up because people like seeing cool stuff um, yeah, and still continue, try to to pay it forward in that regard to this day. Yeah. And I've met some really cool creators and collaborators through that process. So I'd love to kind of bring the, the, the live streams sort of back into that idea and kind For of, sure. Uh, do that moving forward because as much as I loved homebrewing um, a long form campaign, mm -hmm. uh, it is it, it is difficult to bring collaborators yeah. on board for that long term. Yeah. And people, a lot more people are more uh, adaptable to being involved in like a two part one shot, a four part yeah. one shot, where it's like we're not doing this till the end of time. And I am so thankful for all my amazing players in the campaigns that we run that are like down to do it for the long haul. And that's great. But when you want to like, I just want to expand our network and, in, you know, introduce more talent Absolutely. to the mainstream as well, which is something we kind of did at the start with our Twitch live streams. Because a lot of the creators we were playing with at the time had like smaller audiences, but sure. I just thought they were amazing storytellers and have since gone on to do really huge things. Yeah, uh, which has been amazing. And a lot of people go on to do their own Twitch streams and their own D&D uh, &D accounts and stuff. So I'd love to continue that process. And just if the show could grow into anything to be some type of platform to showcase more creators and get yeah. them in front of people. Well, I think that's a that I think that's really awesome, because like I know for myself, like when I started the Bearded Nerd, Originally, it was me sharing homebrew content that I thought was really epic, but then also saying like, hey, this is how I would actually implement it in my game. And it just kind of took off from there. And now I do that and I make some spicy memes here and there. Like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it'd be like that sometimes. Um, and yeah, I think that's really noble. And I think that's really awesome because there's a lot of like third party content creators out there um from the sense of like writers and just DD &D content creators that are badass and they make awesome stuff and some of the things that i've seen i'm like holy shit i can add this into my game why didn't i ever think about that and it's like their following is so it's it's not as big and i'm thinking to myself like i'm scratching my head being like what like how are you not like blowing up like it's it, and and so i really that's a really cool um that's a really cool way to like show people and share again, what I love about this community, man, we are, we have such a big heart for one another and we're willing and ready to share everything about, you know, this community with one another. And that's what I love about it. But Hey, I really, again, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I'll make sure uh, folks, the, um, links to dice cream sandwich will be in the description in the bottom, wherever, 
um, whether, whether you're watch, watching this on YouTube or you're listening to the audio version of it, you will be able to click the links and follow Dice Cream Sandwich. I appreciate y'all listening. If you're listening to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, be sure to subscribe to it. Leave us a five-star review. If you're uh, listening to this on YouTube or watching this on YouTube while you're painting minis, um, go ahead and subscribe and hit that notification bell. Really appreciate it. But more importantly than any of that, be kind and compassionate to one another, y'all. We're living in some crazy times, but it's more important for y'all to be kind and compassionate and to love one another. We love you. Y'all have a great one. But as always, folks, keep gaming. Thank you.